It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, along with James Rapine, Willie Anderson on the semifinalist list for the Hall of Fame. Great news for him. The Bengals tried out a couple of quarterbacks, and we have Elise Jesse joining us today before the mailbag. She's going to talk about the piece she did over on James Rapine's SI Bengals site, allbengals.com, about the current state of relations in the Bengals locker room. We talked to her about the research that went into the story, how many sources she talked to, the journalism that went into it. And then we talked about the content of the story itself and got into it a little bit deeper than what you read on the website. We're going to wrap up with the mailbag as we always do on the Wednesday episode. And it's a Thanksgiving mailbag, James. We're going to have some fun today. Let's get started with the good news about Willie Anderson and a couple of quarterbacks the Bengals brought in for workouts. James, let's get started with the good news of the day, and that is that Bengals great Willie Anderson, who should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame and is 100% worthy of being on this list, makes the semifinalist cut for this edition of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I sure hope it's his year, James. There are a lot of guys on the list this year. A couple guys that are going to be first ballot Hall of Famers, a very good list of eligible candidates. Not sure there's anyone more deserving. I'm the biggest biggest Chad Johnson fan there is. I, I think of other Bengals players. Willie Anderson was the man, that dude. And the the way he was able to block and just play right tackle at such a high, high, high level for, for so many years. He needs to be in, and I, I had the pleasure of meeting Willie a few years ago in the Bengals locker room. I hope he gets in. I know a lot of Bengals fans hope he gets in. I like that Willie's been very active on social media so fans can get to know him. That's a really cool uh, part of what he's done over the past couple of years. So it, it couldn't happen to a better dude. I love Willie Anderson, and I, I certainly hope he gets in. And this is a, a great sign now that he's a, a semifinalist. Willie Anderson, of course, has kept his own record for how many sacks he gave up in his career. He has himself down for 16 sacks in 13 seasons, which is just incredible. And on top of that, he was an elite pass blocker even in his final years. His last three years in the NFL are the only years that PFF charted. They only go back to 2006. And he was in the top five of pass blocking efficiency in each of those years. Not only that, with his size and his athleticism, he was a fantastic run blocker, part of Corey Dillon's best years in Cincinnati. I don't know if there was a better right tackle 
when Willie Anderson was playing football than Willie Anderson. I think if he was on any other team, just like Andrew Whitworth became an all pro as soon as he left Cincinnati, this wouldn't even be a debate. Willie Anderson would be a surefire Hall of Famer, but a lot of his career on some very bad teams in Cincinnati. And when you look at his competition, there's some very strong names to compete with. Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, Charles Woodson are the first time eligible players that made the semifinalist list along with Jared Allen. But to go along with Willie Anderson, you've got guys like Alan Fanica, Rodney Harrison, Torrey Holt, John Lynch. I mean, it's a long list of very deserving names. I really hope Willie gets in. And to your point, James, he has been more active on social media, even thanking fans today on Twitter. He said he found out from Ace, who is on the Orange and Black Insider podcast. He was the first person to tell him. So really excited for Willie Anderson. He's really excited. And I hope that the increased attention he's getting, the campaigning that fans have done, helps push him over the hump and get him into the Hall of Fame this year. Moving on, the Bengals tried out a couple of quarterbacks on Tuesday. One of them, Kevin Hogan. The other one, Alex McGow. Alex McGow was a seventh-round pick by Seattle in 2018. He passed for over 9,000 yards at FIU. Hogan played eight games for the Browns. He played against Cincinnati when he played for the Browns. Just a couple of guys that they're looking at for some veteran depth. When you search Alex McGow's name on Twitter... There's at least one person who compared his style to Joe Burrow, which I found to be kind of interesting. Oh, wow. How about that? That's funny. And yeah, I I remember Kevin Hogan. He was running a little read option in 2017 or 2018 at Paul Brown Stadium for the Browns. He had to go in after the, the Browns had a couple quarterback injuries and Hugh Jackson threw Kevin Hogan out there. So Either McGow or Hogan, I'm on board. And here's the thing. They're probably going to sign one of these guys, and they have to make their decision quick because you want them in here through protocol by next Wednesday for week 13. So that's kind of the key here is getting them in, making a decision so they can start the COVID-19 protocol. Speaking of COVID-19 protocol, the last note for today is that Nick Eason, the Bengals' defensive line coach, has tested positive for COVID-19. The Bengals currently going through contact tracing to find out if he exposed anybody else. This makes every defensive positional coach at this point a positive or close contact for COVID-19. They've gone through the COVID-19 protocol as it continues to work its way through the NFL and through the Bengals locker room. And hopefully this is the last positive test for the Bengals this season. Coming up next, we've got SI.com All Bengals, Elise Jesse joining us to talk about her article that went up today about the current state of trust and relations in the Bengals locker room, specifically with Jim Turner and Luana Rumo. It's Thanksgiving week, James, and for all the people that aren't devouring built bars and hitting the gym, Echelon Fitness may have the answers you need, and it goes really well with those built bars. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals, feeling great about yourself. And Echelon Fit can get you there. They've got the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity is, Echelon will give you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of home. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. And unlike their competitors, 
Echelon is affordable for everyone. One membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any of their equipment at home for 30 days. Just go to echelonfit.com slash NFL. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash NFL. Protecting my family is my number one priority, but I want to do it safely. And the people at Taser believe that safer self-defense is better self-defense. Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough to carry with you in your glove compartment or purse, yet powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. Guns carry unnecessary risks for you and those around you. Even pepper spray can harm you as much as an attacker, and it's often ineffective. Taser products are safer and easy to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, allowing you time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com with promo code NFL. You're going to save 15% right now. Just go to taser.com, promo code NFL. Again, T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code NFL. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's keep things rolling here on Locked On Bengals with a look at the report that Elise Jesse dropped this morning at allbengals.com, an in-depth look at the culture of Zach Taylor's organization, Paul Brown Stadium and the Bengals. And Elise joins us now. Make sure you follow her on Twitter at Elise Jesse TV. Elise, uh, appreciate the time. I'm probably the only other person on the planet besides uh, maybe you that knew that this was coming down this morning. Um, fans are, uh, I, I don't know what our fans, how have fans reacted to us? Let's start there. What has been the reaction, uh, to this report about the, the culture issues inside Paul Brown stadium? Um, it seems like there's kind of a mixed bag where some are not shocked at all by these reports. Um, especially if you watch the games and you notice the things that go on on the sidelines, um, this isn't super shocking, Um, but I did notice that there were, um, a good amount of readers who were not pleased with the fact that, you know, I was not able to name sources. Um, and I think many forget that in journalism, if these stories are to be told and come out, um, you know, a, it's, it's unethical to release a source's information if they tell you that they want to remain anonymous, And number two, these players and coaches are not going to put themselves in the line of fire to get these stories out. So if you do want to tell these stories, they have to remain low key. Elise, I I think that that's a good thing that people need to know about from a journalism perspective. And historically in the NFL, when players do put their name on the record and they become named sources for stories like this, usually doesn't go very well for them. I know one criticism was that, that I saw that I, that I think we can very easily dismiss is that people aren't clear on the multiple source that you have, the fact that you had multiple sources. Can you just clarify for everyone how many or, or ballpark the, the number of people that you talked to in the Bengals locker room? Yeah, the number of sources is in the double digits because when you're initially told a story, you can't just run off of what per- one person says. That story has to be vetted 
and vetted independently. And that's something that I've learned through seven years, eight years of local journalism. So I always will ask somebody else or I'll wait for somebody else to tell me the exact same story. And if the details are the same, then I know I have something there. Um, I always like to vet the stories because the last thing I want to do is put something out there that is untrue. Um, Credibility is incredibly important to me. Um, So when I say I speak to players, it's, it's also, it's, it's people from all levels of the organization. It's not just players either. And it's from all sides. It's not just starters. It's not just backups. It's, it's all over the board. Elise Jesse joining us. And if you haven't checked out her, her report uh, on the Bengals locker room, and um, th- there's just a lot there um, at allbengals.com. And Elise, let, let's start with that because we haven't touched on, on many details of that yet, but, but let's start with Zach Taylor. Obviously this wasn't what he envisioned when he took the job in 2019 and taking over for Marvin Lewis. He was, someone who said he prided himself on strong communication on all, on all levels still says that by the way, on all mm-hmm. levels throughout the organization uh, communication, clearly a problem for the second year head coach. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like Zach Taylor was put into an interesting position when he was hired and James, you and I have had multiple conversations about this. Uh, he was hired so late. He was hired in February of 2019, which is late for a coach to be hired and also put his staff together. And there were also issues. Um, it's documented pretty well that Jack Del Rio did not want to come to Cincinnati. So having trouble finding um, support staff was, was evident for Zach Taylor. Um, so communication issues are clear. Trust issues are very clear from what I'm told. And there's very little accountability, which is a major issue. Would you say that this is between Zach Taylor and his staff, between simply the players and the staff? Is this an issue with the head coach? I mean, we have a report from Ian Rappaport yesterday, for example, saying that Zach Taylor's job is not in danger. And that's largely on the strength of his relationship with Joe Burrow and what the offense has been able to do. I noticed in your article, most of the complaints from the players seem to be directed. Jim Turner, for example, Lou Anarumo, Mm -hmm. things that we've kind of heard swirling around or, or we heard some whispers of last year. Is this more widespread from that? Or is this, if, if Zach Taylor can sever ties with a couple of his friends that are that he brought on to be coaches in Luana Rumo and Jim Turner because they were late in the search. Is this something that could mitigate itself with Zach Taylor still at the helm from what you've heard from players? Well, so I've heard different stories. Some, there are some, I mean, with a group of that many guys in the same room, there's going to be differences of opinion, right? So there are some guys who want a new head coach. They want clean house. There are other players who, who have voiced that they would prefer a different position coach as their head coach. And then there are players who trust Zach Taylor and what he's doing. So there is a difference of opinion among the players. Um, but as far as the distrust and the communication issues, that's not just between the players and the coaches. It's also, it goes from coach to coach and from player to coach and player to player. How big of an issue 
has this been in, in just in, in general, not just Zach, obviously the, the report highlights Luana Rumo and Jim Turner. Um, when was this built up from last year? Is this something that you, you heard more recently over the past, let's say six, seven weeks. How long has this been an issue? This has been an issue. I mean, the stories really started pouring in uh, this season. Um, I think last season they were giving Zach Taylor the benefit of the doubt and uh, the rest of the coaches, they were just trying to get to know them and hoping that maybe the coaches would take initiative to try to get to know their players. Um, And this season, it seems like he has cut less slack as far as player opinion goes. Um, and so the, these stories, I mean, I've been listening to these stories for months now. So I, I've known for a while that I needed to write the story, but I was putting it off because I think everybody in Cincinnati knows that typically I'm a positive poly <laughs> when it comes to any type of stories that I like to do. So these types of stories are difficult for me to write because the last thing I want to do is, you know, drag somebody publicly. But when so many stories are the same and so many, and it comes from so many different sources, you can't ignore it at that point. If that makes sense. It's very interesting stuff developing. And and like I said, these are whispers that we heard going back to last year. We saw some coaching changes happen in the off season as well. My question is, we've, we've got a lot of players that have listed issues with some specific coaches. Is it all bad or are there some stories accompanying these complaints that say, you know what, you know, coach XYZ is doing a really good job and, and I'm actually pretty happy with how things are going because I think there is a contingent of players that probably is behind Zach Taylor and some of these coaches. Yeah, there, there are coaches on staff who have um, built really great relationships with the players and the other coaches and the support staff around them. And that does not go unnoticed. I have heard stories about some of the coaches who, who they go to for advice when their own position coach um, is not connecting well with them or if they feel like they're not being coached well or their technique is just being thrown to the wayside or – um, if they feel singled out, they will go to some of the coaches and seek advice from them. Um, so not every single coach on the staff is bad or is disconnected, but the two coaches, Lou Anarumo and Jim Turner, those are the two that have been glaring all year long. Those are the two that I have consistently heard the exact same stories about. And the details have not been different between players or coaches. Has Zach tried to dis? Have you heard anything about him putting his foot down? Obviously, accountability is a concern. Has he tried <laughs> yeah. to to take Lou aside and and discipline him? And I say that in quotes, or tell his buddy Jim Turner, "Hey, don't do that." Like, has there been any of that that you know of? And, and maybe you don't, but is has that been a thing that he's even tried or attempted? So I am not sure whether or not um, Zach Taylor has had a conversation with Lou Anarumo about his coaching style or the language that he uses um, or his relationships with players. Um, I did speak with Zach back in October and mentioned it, but I'm not sure what came from me mentioning it to Zach. Um, It's obviously still a problem. So to that, that's all I can really say on that topic. 
Good stuff there from Elise Jesse. Make sure you catch her on Twitter at Elise Jesse TV. Check out her article at allbangles.com. Up next, it's time for the weekly mailbag. But first, I got to tell you about my favorite protein bar. It's the number one protein bar on the planet, Built Bars. And Jake, they have Black Friday deals. They're introducing the all-new white chocolate bar this week. It's a white chocolate cookies and cream, only 130 calories, packed with 17 grams of protein, only 5 grams of sugar. Or you could do the white chocolate salted caramel, which another 130 calories and 17 grams of protein. Two free candy cane brownie bars are going to be included with every item purchased and you're going to get 25% off all products all weekend long at BuiltBar.com. You hear us talk about them all the time. Now's the time to get them. And here's what's great. When you go to BuiltBar.com and you get 25% off for Black Friday, don't forget to use the promo code Locked On for additional savings. Plug in that promo code. You're going to save extra money on top of the 25% discount that they're giving you. Again, BuiltBar.com for Black Friday. Use promo code Locked On. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. James, it has been a pretty tough week for Bengals fans, but some things just continue to go on. One of those, the Locked On Bengals podcast. The other one, the midweek mailbag. And we're going to get started with a fun question from Jacob Gunkel on Twitter. If Jake, me, and a built bar are both dangling off of a cliff, what are you saving, James? <laughs> well, what flavor built bar? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, let's go with your second favorite flavor of built bar. So, not the mint brownie, but whatever your second favorite flavor is. Mint brownie was getting rescued, baby. I was like, yeah, 110 <laughs> calories, 15 grams of protein. <laughs> And and as I was eating it, I would yell, Jake, use promo code locked on for 25% off uh, as you fall down to in Paris. No, uh, of course, I would. I'd save both, man, because I've been eating Built Bars for so damn long. There will never be a position where I can't save you and the Built Bar. Go to make answer. it work. That's correct. That That's absolutely the answer. All right. I'm going to see, see your funny question and raise you a funny question. Our good buddy Yaz chimes in on Twitter what is your favorite thing to eat on Thanksgiving? It is it is not turkey, uh, although enough gravy does make turkey okay. And only like somewhat recently in life, not like in the last year, but in the last few years, maybe last five years or so, I learned that I actually really like the dark meat of the turkey. Before that, I, I thought that it was worse for some reason. I don't know why, but <laughs> it is much better than the white meat. But for me, it's it's the the corn casserole and the spinach casserole that my grandma makes because of all the love that she puts into those dishes. And the the spinach one has cheese in it. And I really like cheese. So that, so that's an easy win for me. What about you? That sounds like 
That sounds like my nightmare. Spinach casserole. And I'm not hating on it. I just don't like spinach. So I like cheese. Um, uh, what would I pick? Honestly, and this is a take I think a lot of people are going to hate. Thanksgiving food's a little overrated. Like, it's good. And I've had good. Like, I've been to multiple, you know, a bunch of different places for Thanksgiving. You know, friends' houses, uh, you know, wife's family, my family, uh, every, and anything in between. Um, it's good. It's not great. It's not my favorite. Like, I would love to have Skyline, like a, a Skyline dip, and I would love to have, you know, a buffalo chicken dip and have, have, have some stuff like that, like in my ideal Skyline. So I think my kids are going to learn uh, or have Thanksgiving a little different than I had. But uh, I like it all. I think my favorite thing would be the pumpkin pie, though. Like, mm-hmm. if you have a really good pumpkin pie, now that isn't overrated. But I'm just saying the meal itself. And I like it. Like, I'm not saying I don't love turkey and green bean casserole and mashed potatoes and corn and stuffing. And I eat it all. Gravy, white meat, dark meat. It doesn't matter to me. I love it. I'll eat it all. But there's never been a time, really, in my life where I'm craving those things. I will not crave those things on Thursday. I promise you. I'll eat them. And I'll enjoy it. But I'm not craving it. I don't know. Does that make me weird? No, do you do you like whipped cream on your pumpkin pie? Sometimes depends on the pumpkin pie. Um, what about ice sometimes cream? Sometimes I, I can certainly I, I can certainly do it. What about what? Ice cream. Oh, some nice. I don't know if bean. I've ever. I don't know if I've ever had ice cream on pumpkin pie. Just something to like think che- about. Cherry or no? It sounds good. No, I, here's the thing. I love ice cream. I love pie. I'm not as big of a, a cake person, but I like ice cream cake. Ice cream goes with everything, man. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure it would be really good. Now I want dessert. All this ice cream and pie talk. The other thing that my family makes on Thanksgiving is they do my mom. My mom makes this Klondike Jello. I think she got the recipe from her mom. It's it's just like a Jello with a Klondike bar in it, like literally a Klondike bar broken up in it. So you get the ice cream and the Jello and the chocolate. Really nice. What kind of Jello? I think strawberry. Interesting. Like that- chocolate covered strawberries, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd have to try that. That sounds good. See, now I'm hungry. Now I'm coming to your Thanksgiving. Are you having if, Thanksgiving in Canada? How's that going to work? Canadian Thanksgiving is in October, so I'm working this Thursday and Friday. But for everyone listening, while we're on the topic of Thanksgiving, before we move on, we, we may or may not answer any questions about football today. Uh, we don't have an episode. We're, we're missing one episode this week, so we will put out this episode today. There will be an episode tomorrow. And that'll have to get you through Thanksgiving and Friday, get you all the way to the game. And then we'll be back next week with our regular schedule. Our next question, James, another one, not about football in the holiday spirit. We're just going to keep talking about ourselves. Brady at Brady Bengals on Twitter wants to know what goes into making an episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. How long do we spend fine tuning each in his words, expertly made episode? What kind of coordination does it take between you and I? Can we get a look at the podcast life? Well, we communicate daily. That's the first thing. So you uh, you got annoyed day one, and I've annoyed you every day since. But, uh, you know, you've gotten past that. You're really patient. Uh, so that's the first thing. And, you know, playing what time we're going to record and all that fun stuff. Um, but, but I think you and I are both really good at following stories and what's breaking and, and topics. So we have a, a at least usually a decent idea of what we're going to talk about before we join and and maybe we'll dm and message each other about it and then we get together we start talking about it and here's the key 
And this is where I'm going to turn it over to Jake, because Jake's the one that does all the coordination. The, the question was coordination. So basically producing the podcast, making sure the audio levels sound good, making sure I sound competent without saying, uh, duh, uh, he does all that stuff. And um, he's able to do that. So we record virtually. We're, we're always looking at each other when we record. But Jake, you're recording it all. You're editing it all. You're making sure that the sound is good and uh, is quality and everything like that. So you can, you're more qualified at this stage to give listeners uh, an idea of what you have to do behind the scenes to make sure all that works. Yeah. So like James said, we're recording over Skype right now. We're, we're both in, uh, you know, he's in Ohio, I'm in Western Canada and I've got his, his Skype audio patched into a virtual audio board with my microphone and that's feeding into audacity. That's what we use to record and edit, but that's really it. We, we, I really don't spend a ton of time editing. We kind of start and stop as we go. And we, we fix bad mistakes or things that, you know, we say and then we're like, ooh, we can't put that out into the world. We'll take those out <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll replace them with things that are suitable to, to broadcast. And so every day, about six o'clock or so Eastern time, James and I, five days a week, we, we, uh, we talk about the Bengals just for everyone out there on this expertly made Locked on Bengals podcast. Man, I, I like that, Brady. That's real kind. <laughs> like, the, remember the one time when I said Ryan Finley was going to go two and four as the Bengals starting quarterback after Joe Burrow went down and you had to delete that? That was funny. Mm, I am not happy. Maybe you should delete it again. Yep. We're going to do. Uh, I don't know. Do we leave that in? <laughs> 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 yeah, leave it in. All right, next question from Nick Green. He asks, do we have to go straight into tank mode again and root for losses now? I'd like to see competitive close games for the rest of the season, but don't want to give up draft position. Here's the thing about Ryan Finley being your starting quarterback. You can root your little heart out for the Cincinnati Bengals, and it will not matter one bit. That's my answer. Wow. Wow, I just say Ryan Finley's going to go two and four, and you say that, Jake. What a you, you know, my dog's name is Finley. I love your dog. Yeah, and he's right behind me right now. He's probably pretty angry that you're disrespecting <laughs> his name. Just wait, just wait until you meet Finn. He goes by Finn, by the way. No, I, I actually agree with Jake, Nick. Um, you can root for them all you want. The reality is, Zach Taylor couldn't win a game with this quarterback last year this roster looks a lot like it did last year outside of t higgins there aren't many differences because of injuries now they're just there really isn't i mean you're without mixing without a lot of your defensive players jesse bates is better than he was last year but overall it's it's not much different same coaches so i think it's going to be tough for them to win games and they do have the tie which hurts them if they do win it's kind of like a win and a half so, um, yeah, I think they're going to be okay. I think they're locked into that third spot, but I'm never going to tell you not to root for your team ever, ever, ever. So if you want to root for the Bengals, do it. And like I said, they have that tie in there. I don't think that the, the fourth spot or the fifth spot is in jeopardy. We'll see. They'd have to win, I think, two games to jump out of that third spot long term because those other teams are going to win. Yeah, I think most of the teams that have three wins right now are much more likely to win another game than the Bengals, but we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll see how it turns out. Last question for today's podcast. 
comes from Adam Pratt at APRAT122 on Twitter. How would the Bengals head coaching job, if it were to become available, compare to potential openings this season? Is it reasonable to think a top candidate would look at Cincinnati as a more desirable location just because Joe Burrow's there, or would the organization's faults prevent a top candidate from seriously considering coming to Cincinnati? I think they absolutely 100% are appealing to a top candidate, 100%, for a few reasons. One, if I'm a, a potential head coach, I look at them hiring Zach Taylor and I'm like, well, I'm better than he is. So if he only got two years, that's not a problem. That's not a big deal. Two, before Zach, if you showed you're competent, which whoever they're courting, especially if it's a top candidate, they think they're competent. They think they're going to be pretty good right away. Well, Marvin Lewis is pretty good right away, eight and eight, eight and eight and 11 and five in his first three seasons. What happened? He was here for 16 years, 16 years. So early equity and the chance for early success. Well, if you're handed Joe Burrow and Penny Sewell and in some of these other guys, then, you know, a healthy DJ reader and, and I could go on and on. I think you could feel like you can win in 2021, you know, be eight and eight and, and develop and move forward. So I think it's a very attractive job. Now, there is the questions about the organization. There's no doubt. But Joe Burrow is that dude. You have some pieces around him. You're going to have a high draft pick and high draft picks. I think it's a pretty attractive job. And uh, and the Bengals should be able to. A couple years ago, they requested Josh McDaniels and didn't even get a listen. He declined. <laughs> he turned them down before even interviewing. I don't think anyone would turn them down at this stage. I think they would at least listen and want to meet with the Bengals because of Joe Burrow. There might be some individuals out there that, you know, don't like the way things are done in Cincinnati or, or you know, I don't know. There could be that. That that could be a thing. But I think by and large, James, you're right. I think Joe Burrow makes it an attractive job. And the other thing to remember is there's only 32 of these jobs in the world. Only so many of them become available every season. And for any coach, maybe not any coach, for most coaches that exist in the world, in the world of football, Head coaching an NFL franchise is a dream. And, and you know, Marvin Lewis was a very attractive head coaching candidate when he came to town. I don't think that with Joe Burrow on board, with another high draft pick this year, with the organization honestly working pretty well with its head coaches despite all the flaws you might talk about, I think that this is an attractive job. And there are going to be detractors. There are going to be things that, that aren't that, that make it not the perfect job, perhaps. But still, you can be imperfect and very attractive. And I don't think it's necessarily going to scare anybody off of coming to coach in Cincinnati if that job becomes available. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We've got one more that's going to get you through Thanksgiving and the weekend. Then we'll be back on Sunday. Hope everybody's having a good Thanksgiving week. Until next time, have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.